So this morning, our scripture reading comes from the book of James. You know, a lot of times we dance around the book of James because James is pretty direct about what all of us should do. What a community of Christians really ought to look like. And that's very appropriate this morning on the third Sunday of Advent because after all, we are awaiting the return of the Lord. Not just the celebration we have of Jesus' birth, but the return of the Lord, period. So our scripture reading comes from James chapter 5, starting at verse 7 and going through verse 12. Consider the word of the Lord. Be patient, therefore, beloved, until the coming of the Lord. The farmer waits for the precious crop from the earth, being patient with it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also must be patient. Strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is near. Beloved, do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. See the judge is standing at the doors. As an example of suffering and patience, beloved, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Indeed, we called blessed those who showed endurance. You have heard of the endurance of Job. And you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. And above all, my beloved, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who sent Jesus here to walk among us, to set an example for us, to die for our sins, and to rise again demonstrating that death is an illusion. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our salvation. Amen. So this is part of what James says, a community of followers of Jesus living under the law of love look like. These are some things they do. There are other things too. This is not an exhaustive list. But this particular short list, if you will, moves us all, if we do them, moves us all a long way toward being true followers of Jesus. True followers of Jesus. True followers of Jesus who are absolutely pure, absolutely honest, absolutely unselfish, and absolutely loving. You know, the part of our faith that's real, the part of our faith that's real it's what we actually practice in our lives every day. Good ideas that we don't practice 
are just abstract theories. That's what they are. And James is real good about pointing that out. You know, he says uh, at, at one point up there earlier, he says what? He said, true religion, true religion is to take care of the orphans and widows, right? True religion does something. It's just, it's just like the, the whole idea we have about love, right? Love is an action verb. It's an action verb. When I think of that, I so often think about the Good Samaritan. A, a good drill sometime or something good for you to do is look there. Look there at the story of the Good Samaritan sometime and count the action verbs that the Good Samaritan did. It's an interesting drill. Anyway, James says here in, in these few verses between verse 7 through 12 in chapter 5, he says the first thing we need to do is be patient. Be patient. There's so much that comes just from being patient. He uses the example of the farmer. And I know some of you probably like to garden for a hobby. And even if you don't, you all know about planting seeds and waiting for them to grow. It's not a Jack and the Beanstalk deal, is it? You don't drop the seed in the ground and the next morning you go out and you've got a vine that you can climb up to the giant's house on, right? It just doesn't work that way. You put a seed in the ground and, or a pot of soil and depending upon the type of plant it is, there's a germination period and that little little plant goes up and pushes its way out of the soil and then you continue to water it and fertilize it and maybe if everything goes well and the uh, the aphids or the cutworms don't show up or the deer don't come by and eat it up or th there's not a drought you might actually get a squash or a cucumber or something like that down the line but you don't get it overnight same way with us we don't become perfect in love overnight we have to be patient more than anything I think with ourselves with ourselves we have to be patient with ourselves but we also have to water and fertilize and do the other things to cultivate our personal growth. We can't just sit on a pew once a week and by osmosis become perfect followers of Jesus. It just doesn't work that way. Patience teaches us to defer gratification. You know what else patience does? If you think about it, I was thinking about this. You know, in the Beatitudes, one of the things that Jesus says is, blessed are the peacemakers. Now, in the times in your life when you have contributed to conflict, I'll put it that way, and I trust most of you have, I certainly have in my life. When I think back and I think about those times when I've contributed to conflict, I wasn't patient, right? It's hard to be an impatient peacemaker. If you're patient, 
you might come up with some way to diffuse the situation. Whereas if you just react, then there is an equal and opposite reaction, right? A la Newton, something like that. And the situation escalates. It says there in the part where James is talking about patience, he says you should strengthen your hearts. Strengthen your hearts. You see, impatience does that too. Whenever the Bible talks about the heart, whenever the Bible talks about the heart, there may be a few exceptions, and I can't think of any right off, but there may be a few exceptions where they're actually talking about the physiological heart as if someone was stabbed in the heart. But generally speaking, and 99.9% of the time in the Bible when it says heart, you could put in the word will, right? That's what, that's what the Bible means when it says heart. It means will. So James says we strengthen our will, our heart, also by patience. That's one of the good things about the way we celebrate the Lord's birth. I remember when I was a munchkin, a minahuni, right? My grandmother and my grandfather, I don't know where they got them. There must have been the Christmas store from hell or something like that. They got these tags to put on your Christmas gifts that said, do not open until December the 25th. And I, I remember every year when we would, we would get a, we would usually get a large box with everybody's Christmas present in it from my grandparents. We lived in, in the Panhandle. My grandparents lived in Mississippi. And always when we would open that box and pull out all the presents to put under the tree, they'd all have those goofy tags. It'd have a picture of Santa Claus on it. And do not open till December the 25th. But that's a good thing, huh? It's one small way to try and inculcate into a small child the idea of patience, right? The idea of patience, which is, uh, again, that's counterintuitive in our society these days, isn't it? In, in many places in the world, we have fast food. I've noticed not so much in San Antonio, but there are places that do have it, and we have microwave dinners and, and all those sorts of things. Patience, patience. Like the Lord is patient, right? You know, the scriptures tell us, read a few pages further in there, past James into, into 1 Peter. Uh, you know, it tells us that the, the Lord is patient because the Lord doesn't want anybody to perish. And in our relationships with each other, again, as James points out there, one of the best things we can do is be patient with each other because... You know, that's another, that's another one of those truisms, right? When somebody upsets me and I just, you know, and I just want to spit, it's probably because they're acting just like I do, you know? So I need to learn to be patient with them, you know? I need to learn to be patient with them. And then James says there, what? We shouldn't grumble. We shouldn't grumble with each other, right? Because Why? When we're grumbling, when we're grumbling, we're being judgmental, aren't we? 
I mean, have you ever grumbled about something that you thought was great? You grumble about things that you think can be better or things that you don't like. So you're by definition, when you grumble about something, you're being judgmental. And James says that there. And Jesus reminded us, right? Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment that you judge, you will be judged. And the measure you meet will be measured back again unto you. So James says... A community of Jesus followers operating under the law of love don't grumble with each other. They don't grumble with each other. They don't judge each other. And he says there, because what the judge is standing at the door. And isn't that another great thing about life, which ties in with what Jesus says back there in Matthew chapter 25, when he's talking about separating the sheep from the goats. The least of these that you've done it to, you've done it to me, see? There's Christ in all of us. So you never, you never know what the test is, and you never know who's giving the test. It's a wonderful thing about life. It can happen any time. It can happen any time. It can pop up on you. And then along in here, too, this is an interesting thing. He doesn't spell it out exactly, but he certainly alludes to the fact. Did you ever think of Job as a prophet? James seems to say there that Job is a prophet. He's talking about the endurance of Job, the patience of Job, the things that Job demonstrated right after he says, consider the prophets. Now we know too, since we're about to celebrate the birth of Jesus again, we, we know that Jesus was, and we refer to him, it's in some of our Christmas carols, prophet, priest, and king, right? And I think many times we don't really think that much of Jesus as being a prophet too, because again, we get these ideas that a prophet's somebody who's gonna, who tells us what's going to happen in the future. And prophets do do that, and Jesus did that. But that's not the main thing a prophet does, and it certainly wasn't the main thing that Job did. In fact, I don't know that there are, well, we'll just have to look. I was going to say, I don't know if there are any references to Job saying about things that are going to happen in the future. But what do prophets do? They point us back to God. They point us back to God. That's the primary job of a prophet, to return our thoughts again upon the Lord. And of course, Job certainly did that. And then in this particular passage, the last thing that James says that I personally think is vitally, vitally important. He says what? In a community of followers of Jesus that are governed by the law of love, they let their yes be yes and their no be no. Simply do what you say you're going to do. Or say you're not going to do it, you know? Life is full of choices, right? Life is full of choices. One could argue that that's what it's all about. If somebody asks you to do something, you don't have to say yes. You could say no. But if you say yes, if you say yes, do it. Do it. Be true. Be true. Be pure. 
be authentic. That's the thing he's talking about here. He says anything, anything more than this, it becomes condemnation, right? And moreover, Jesus alluded to it back there in the Sermon on the Mount. If you've got to do a lot of explaining or a lot of pontification, or you say, oh, yeah, I would swear on a stack of Bibles or my mother's grave or whatever it is, you're probably trying to manipulate somebody. You're probably trying to manipulate somebody. If it's simply the truth and you say so, then just say so, right? You don't ever see Jesus coming up with all sorts of excuses. He just, he just speaks the word and then he does it. He speaks the word and then he does it. So as we come to the table this morning to remember Jesus, the author and pioneer of our faith, again, our faith is only what we actually practice, what we do in our daily lives. If we say we believe something and we don't practice it, it's just an abstract theory, just an abstract theory. It doesn't mean anything. So as we, as we take the cup and the bread this morning, and remember the body and blood of Christ, Remember Christ who always, 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 and still is patient. Remember Christ who didn't grumble. And remember Christ who let his yes be yes. Amen.